Today's video is brought to you by Candid. Hey brother! Guys, I've never been much of a shipper. Like, obviously, hashtag Team PETA and definitely hashtag Team Edward. That's the vampire one, right? Not the not the wolf, or is that Jacob? I honestly, I've only ever seen like the second half of the first part of the third movie. Sparkles! That's a thing, right? That's a thing. Honestly, I think it's better if I don't know. But Harry Potter, on the other hand, I have read and reread and adorned my childhood walls with memorabilia, lost many a trivia challenge to created a career around discussing. I've even named several dogs after characters. But guys, I need to finally come out and say it. I am Team Hermione. Guys, before we dive on in, I want to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Candid. We all know that Hermione's parents, as dentists, really wanted her to correct her teeth with traditional braces, but who could blame Hermione when magic was an available option? I certainly cannot, although unfortunately we don't have that kind of magic or Madame Pomfrey to actually help us along with the procedure. But there is fortunately still a fantastic alternative to traditional braces, and Candid is that thing. Candid provides clear aligners that are comfortable, removable, and best of all, completely invisible. So even though it's not technically magic, you can still make a huge change to your smile without anyone knowing. And while we're all stuck inside anyway, Candid can still help. They can do all of their procedures without ever setting foot into a doctor's office. Candid does all of its work remotely and the aligners come directly to your door and you're remotely monitored throughout the entire process by an orthodontist. And on top of all of that, the results come quick. Most people see their results in just six months. So if you guys are looking to make a change to your smile for a limited time, you can get $75 off by going to candidco.com com/scb Again, that is $75 off by going to candidco.com slash SCB. I will put a link in the description down below. Be sure to check it out. Okay, so before we dive on in, let's get some of the obvious important bits out of the way right away. One, Hermione is whatever comes like one step above queen. Like she doesn't need anyone. Two, Movie Ginny, whether I like it or not, I don't know whether or not is playing a role in my perception of the character and therefore her relationship with old hairball. Three, this is not at all a slight against the actress Bonnie Wright. I personally think she absolutely nails all of the prompts. They're just weird prompts. <clears throat> could we, uh, could we have you feed Harry a cookie? What? Yeah, awkwardly. See what I can do. Open up, you. Don't you trust me? Straight savage. This is simultaneously the least and most genie thing that could ever happen. That's a genie. Genie. Okay. And then, and then there's this moment where she ties his shoes. Check it. Like, 
what else is she supposed to be doing here, folks? Like, she's being as bold, as charismatic, as mysteriously flirtatious as you can possibly be while tying someone else's shoes. Ginny, in case you need a refresher, literally breaks up with Dean Thomas for helping her through the portrait hole into the Gryffindor common room. Can you imagine what she would do if Harry tried to tie her shoes? I sure as heck can. And spoilers, he ends up in the hospital wing again. And listen, if this is a thing, I think I need to make a confession because when I was in kindergarten and learned how to tie shoes, I was basically tying shoes all the time for two weeks straight, like anyone who would let me. And I can't believe I'm going to admit this. I was even trying to teach some people how to tie their own shoes. Someone could have told me, you know, instead I got this huge reputation as a flirt. Point is, as much as I can attempt to be unbiased here, I can't guarantee that these prompts aren't infiltrating their way into my brain. And and therefore crossing wires and making me less confident in my ability to fully back Jerry. That's like the Ginny plus Harry name. Is it Jerry or is it Gary? It doesn't really matter. It's terrible both ways. And before you even say Henny, don't, you're embarrassing yourself. Harney, Harney? You know what, I'm past it. But as long as all of that is made clear, let's dive on in. You know, it occurs to me that I haven't actually explained what Hermione is yet, but that is the shipment of Harry and Hermione and that I believe they should have ended up together. Now, it really comes down to three things. Thing number one, Harry and Hermione are just really great friends who get along and work well together. It's kind of a big deal. Thing number two, Harry and Ginny, I guess are like fine but it's this thing that's like lightly introduced where she has a crush on him in book two, and then it sort of just evaporates and doesn't exist at all until it comes on full bore in book six, and it kind of feels like shoehorned in. Sure, she says that Hermione told her to go and date other people, and maybe that would allow her to open up more around Harry, but let's be real, this was Hermione being strategic at the best, eliminating the biggest threat, probably. She's also just really good at advice. Thing number three. Ron and Hermione fight a lot. And also secret thing number four, I think that Ron should have ended up with Luna. And look, it's not that I don't like Hermione and Ron together. Like I would say they're a 95 out of 100. It works pretty good. But I'm here to argue that Harry and Hermione are a straight up 100 out of 100. Okay, maybe not a hundo out of a hundo, but at least a 96. And when did Hermione ever settle for one point lower than she possibly could have gotten on a quiz? If memory serves, she somehow managed to get a 112 on her charms exam. Like, Flitwick, I don't wanna throw shade or nothing, but it seems like maybe you're putting one too many extra credit questions on your exams. Have some faith in your teaching, my dude. They don't need extra opportunities to succeed. Your instruction is good enough. I mean, you know, maybe not like enough to beat Snape in a duel, but that time I was throwing shade on purpose. Anyway, now that we're like four minutes and 12 seconds, maybe into this video, here's my case for Harry and Hermione. First of all, in the first book, it just kind of seems like this is what they're setting you up for Anyway, like Ron is straight up mean to Hermione all the way up to Halloween. No wonder she hasn't got any friends. Even after that, it's not until they lock a troll in the bathroom with her, and then it's Harry who determines they have to go back and rescue her. Plus, there's this extremely touching moment in the potions chamber right before Harry has to go through and face down Quirrell. And bear in mind, she thinks that Harry is about to go through and possibly face down not only Snape, but also Voldemort. 
meaning these are possible last words going on. Hermione's lip trembled and she suddenly dashed at Harry and threw her arms around him. Hermione, Harry, you're a great wizard, you know. I'm not as good as you. Me, books and cleverness, they're more important things. Friendship, bravery, and oh, Harry, be careful. Ooh, she told him to be careful right before he almost walked into certain death. Must mean she loves him. I know someone's gonna leave that comment, so I'm just beating you to it. Because I would even argue that the fact that it is Hermione that's with him up until that last moment felt kind of like something. Ron is no joke here. He completely crushes that chess match and he's super brave in sacrificing himself so that the other two can go forward. But it kind of felt like, you know, there's your best mate, super important person in your life, no doubt about it. But then there's your person, you know, right there with you till the end, or, you know, at least till the end of the potions room. The riddle only allows for one, so. Now, that moment is pretty on the nose, but it's not like the rest of the books are just, you know, littered with confessions of admiration. I think it's just overall the way that these two treat each other. Like it comes with so much more respect, it feels like. And obviously that's the more important part, but there's also all these like little tiny moments that if you're paying attention, seem to happen throughout the entire series. Like it seems like all the time she's like throwing her arms around him, like in like a big hug whenever they see each other, or he survives another death defying adventure. Or, you know, like all the, really nice gifts that she gives him or how she's like kind of low key, super interested in Harry's love life. You'll see. And on the flip side, Hermione and Ron, they don't exactly always share the same kind of intimate friendship. Take for example, this gift exchange that happens in Order of the Phoenix, which I will remind you is well after the Yule Ball, which has kind of laid some amount of groundwork for the possibility of Ron and Hermione to have feelings towards one another. Harry and Ron have both given Hermione a Christmas gift, Harry a book, and Ron a perfume. Look at how this exchange goes down. Thanks for the book, Harry. I've been really wanting that new theory of numerology for ages, and that perfume is really unusual, Ron. This moment stands out to me because Ron is so obviously actually trying hard here. It's kind of uncharacteristic for him to give this particular kind of gift to Hermione, and I feel like she totally knows what's up, and instead she kind of just super praises Harry for his gift of the book. Speaking of the Yule Ball, though, let's actually talk about that, because I also feel like it's a really great example of Ron not noticing Hermione. Well, Hermione, where go? For literally, and I mean literally, half of the entire series, he's only just now realizing that she is someone that he either is or even could be romantically interested in. And that's the thing. It's not like he almost never noticed, like it came up here and there, but pretty rarely. He literally never noticed, never considered it. On the other hand, do you know who Hermione is not really noticing for almost all of Goblet? Victor Crumb, the guy who literally does ask her out. Like, go back to this moment right after the second task and just see what happens. You'll have a Walter Beetle in your hair, Hermel Ninny. Spot on, Crumb, if I do say so myself. Harry had the impression that Crumb was drawing her attention back onto himself, perhaps to remind her that he had just rescued her from the lake. But Hermione brushed away the beetle impatiently and said, you're well outside the time limit though, Harry. Did it take you ages to find us? Don't forget the implications here. The person who is inside the lake is the person they're supposed to miss the most. They literally shipped in Gabrielle for Fleur Delacour. What does this say about the sadness of Crumb's life? But oh yeah, never mind, Victor. 
or Ron, who was also just a captive, I need to talk to Harry. Also, she goes with Victor Crumb to the Yule Ball, and ultimately, yes, it does make Ron jealous, but who is it possible she was actually trying to make jealous by going to the Yule Ball with, who happens to be the most famous seeker of all time? And that's just the second task. For the first task, Harry and Hermione are spending a ton of time practicing together because him and Ron have mega beef going on. She even stays up with him all night the night before the first task so that he can master the summoning charm. And that's not even the first time that Ron has mega beef with someone in the story. Don't forget, he spent a solid most of Prisoner of Azkaban being upset with Hermione because Crookshanks kept trying to eat scabbers. Seriously, since before they even get to school, until the very moment that it is actually revealed that scabbers is in fact Peter Pettigrew, you know, the lying murderer who's been at his side for years, he's upset with her. Even when Hagrid sits them down and says, you need to stop being so mean to Hermione, he's stubborn about it. And speaking of scolding, let's just talk about the different ways in which Hermione reacts to both Harry and Ron's folk pause when it comes to interacting with girls. If it's Harry who's confused about something or a way that a girl is acting, Hermione is patient and caring and delicate with him. And if it's Ron, she's straight up savage. Example, after Harry finally kisses Cho, both him and Ron are completely befuddled as to why she was crying. Ron says, You'd think a bit of kissing would cheer her up. To which Hermione responds, Ron, you are the most insensitive wart I have ever had the misfortune to meet. It feels a little harsh. Meanwhile, when Harry expresses the exact same concern, one second later. Well, obviously she's feeling very sad because of Cedric dying. Then I expect she feels confused because she likes Cedric and now she likes Harry and she can't work out who she likes best. Then she'll be feeling guilty thinking and you know, blah, 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 blah. But do you see what I mean? It's much nicer. Also, not for nothing, it kind of seems like she's been keeping pretty serious tabs on someone who is neither in her house or in her year. Just saying. But also that is her response after she's had a second to take in this new bit of information. When Harry first arrives on scene, just after kissing Cho, it goes down like this. So uh, what did she want? Ron asked. She, Harry began rather hoarsely. He cleared his throat and tried again. She, uh, did you kiss? Hermione asked briskly. Briskly. I feel like this is a weird word to use here or even a strange reaction for Hermione to have who seemed kind of supportive of the idea of Cho's attention towards Harry earlier in the book. If you go back to that first DA meeting in the Hogsmeade, she says, well, she just couldn't keep her eyes off you, could she? Actually, as much as I do a fantastic Hermione, I'm pretty sure we have a movie clip for this one. She just couldn't keep her eyes off you, could she? Now, what I think is going on here is that she's trying to give Harry like a little bit of an ego boost because she knows it's the girl that he has a crush on. But it also kind of makes you wonder, why was she keeping such an eye on Cho throughout this meeting? And even if we back up from that, I don't know why we didn't do these in order the other way. It's actually Hermione's bravery that compels Harry to finally do the DA at all. She says, don't you see this? This is exactly why we need you. We need to know what it's really like facing him, facing Voldemort. That's the first time Hermione ever says Voldemort's name out loud in front of Harry. And the fact that she does that is literally the thing that compels him to go forward with the idea. And that's a moment that I kind of love because it feels like Hermione is being brave based on Harry's actions and Harry is being calmed by her courage. It's like a circle and everybody knows that circles are romantic because they never end. 
like love. That was so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going for. Yeah. Guys, I, I don't know. Like maybe I am just reading too much into this. Like I am perfectly aware that it is possible for friends to show affection towards one another without there being, you know, like underlying romantic feelings, but it feels like there's too many examples. And in the meantime, in a series that literally talks about love as the most important thing of all, here is the love story we get instead. Book number one, Ron actively dislikes Hermione for two whole months. Book number three, he is mad at her for the entire year. Book number four, he's mad at her for half the year for going to the old ball with Crumb. Book number five, they bicker so much they're constantly setting Harry off. Book number six, he dates Lavender. Book number seven, he abandons her in a tent with the guy he's afraid she actually likes, which let's face it, all the evidence says she does. And you know what? If I'm reading into the books, too much, which maybe sometimes we do. The movies go out of their way to reinforce the idea. You're a great wizard. Wish you were here, Hermione. If you want to kill Harry, you'll have to kill us too. <laughs> You're my best friend. I'll go with you. Maybe we should just stay here, Harry. Grow old. Secret thing number four, Ron and Luna being together doesn't look so stupid now, does it? When it really, really, really comes down to it, the point I'm trying to make here is that scenario number one, Harry and Hermione end up together, and I think that that's better than Hermione and Ron. Scenario number two, none of them end up together at all, and that's totally fine as well. <sighs> Guys, as always, thanks so much for watching. Be sure to leave all of your thoughts and interesting thoughts and thoughts and thoughts in the comments down below. Also thoughts. Did I mention Harry and Hermione is alliterative? That has to count for something. And, and, and she is with him the first time he ever goes to his parents' grave, and that's kind of special. But guys, as always, thanks for watching. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you would like some more Harry Potter love action from us, you can check out this video right here to figure out what Slughorn's darkest memory actually is. Otherwise, guys, until next time, bye.